Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Story is really the, the starting point because it's how we craft the rest of their experience, their evaluation, their treatment, how often they need to come in. And, the, and it's evolving, right? It's not just a one-time thing. This week on the podcast, I want to introduce you to one of the Tell Us Something in-kind sponsors. Inertia Physiotherapy helps Missoulians get to the root of their pain and heal their injuries so that they can live the active, healthy lifestyle that they enjoy. We'll meet Anna Sulia of Inertia Physiotherapy today. Big thanks to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store, and thanks to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com and Blackfoot Communications. Special thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Thank you for joining me as I take you behind the scenes at Tell Us Something to meet the storytellers behind the stories. Generally, each week I sit down with the Tell Us Something Storyteller alumni. This week, though, we'll meet one of Tell Us Something's in-kind sponsors. For years, Anna Sulia won Best Physical Therapist in the local paper's Best of Missoula voting. She eventually split away from the office where she worked to form her own practice, Inertia Physiotherapy. Hello. Hello. Hey, Anna. It's Mark. Hey, how are you? All right. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Just sitting around listening to some tell us something stories. Great. Any specific one you're listening to? Um, Well, I was just trying to remind myself of the various stories I've heard over the past listening to one about Carl Stein hopping trains. Yes, Carl Stein, the great UM great football player. Yep. And how he was, his experiences riding trains from Montana to California and all yes. of the mishaps along the way. Yeah. I was kind of trying to dig back into the podcast about the talk think about the ones that I had seen live. And I think that one I was there for. Yeah, it was also, uh, yeah, I mean, some, a lot of the stories are sort of, you know, the ones that are good, I think, are the ones that are, are the ones that are touching are the are the storytellers that can really kind of weave um, potentially a, a serious topic into some level of comedy. Kind yep. of you can hear the Sort of the emotions in the crowd are kind of ebbing and flowing, and was also reflecting on the gentleman who walked from Missoula to L.A. on a broken foot. Oh yeah, and um, that was um, Stephen Milhouse. I wrote a Stephen T. Stephen T. Milhouse. That is a gentleman that can endure some serious pain. For sure. Yeah. Oh my God. So, as a physical therapist, I'm sure you were just listening to that cringing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it really shows that, you know, one can really overcome some serious pain and that pain is a very complex thing to kind of deal with in our bodies. It's not as straightforward as, even it, even as straightforward as, ouch, I have a broken bone and therefore, you know, I must lay on the couch with my foot up for a while. If there's enough drive, 
people can endure some serious pain for a long time or or mental masking of the pain. You know, it reminds me of the stories of the people who maybe in a less intentional way are out hiking and and have some accident and break their ankle and they don't really feel the pain until they get back to their car and then, you know, suddenly they can't put weight on it but they just walked out 10 miles with a pack on. Sort of like if you find yourself in a safe place, then it's okay to have pain and if you if you're not or you have some other drive, then you can kind of minimize or put it to the back of your brain. But yeah, that's, um, I can't imagine, you know, not being in his shoes. I can't imagine just per- persevering and, and not finding somewhere to kind of hole up and let that heal for a bit. But Have you ever experienced anything like that where you knew you had to push through some pain to get to the other side? Um, I think on a physical level in a much, much less dramatic way, you know, as a high school athlete dealing with, you know, ankle sprains and things, you sort of put this mentality on of, I'm just going to, you know, put some tape on it and put me in the game coach. And I don't think um, we think too much about that when we're we're doing that as kids or as adults. But I, I do think that that kind of behavior sometimes does come back to bite us because we don't nurture or care for those injuries, and they they can create problems for us later on. Another element, I think, is that our bodies don't always know the difference between physical pain and mental pain. And so where physical ailments may not be the predominant issue if you're dealing with mental and emotional stress, that can also manifest in a physical way and certainly dealt with some of that in my life as well. The question I was going to ask is, in your practice, do you ever treat people or work with people who maybe don't have a specific acute injury, but you're doing more preventative care for them? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that uh, I, I probably, especially the way that my practice has evolved now in my in my business, I probably don't treat people with acute pain as often as I do people with more persistent or nagging pains that are have kind of built up over time and then are starting to manifest in ways that are getting in the way of their life, their daily function or their favorite activity. And so usually in that, it's a lot of unraveling of things that have happened to them in the past and addressing those things that maybe we didn't take care of, you know, even a decade or more ago so that we can improve their function today and then have an overall effect on on pain or just quality of life as well. And and those injuries of the past are not necessarily you don't necessarily have to have pain to see them. Uh we focus a little bit more on seeing how your body's functioning, and, and that can lend itself to unwinding things that are causing compensations and improve function that way. You talk about compensating. You know, I didn't really pay attention to my body function very much until I broke myself, when I broke my ankle. And then I essentially felt like I had to relearn how to walk, which I'm sure you've helped people with that before. And Absolutely. 
Yeah, and so my physical therapist was just describing, you know, you're getting older and it's important now to build strengths, not just get through this PT and then call it good. You have to continually do this work and these exercises. And it makes a lot of sense, right? And I wonder if I had been stronger if I would have maybe only just sprained my ankle instead of breaking it, if my muscles and tendons around that bone could have maybe helped prevent that injury if I had been stronger. And so now I've watched myself, you know, I feel like I'm back to 100%. And I've been on, you know, 15-mile hikes and been in and out of boats all summer. But I watched myself, like, didn't mean to, but I was like walking in front of a huge reflective glass window pane and saw that the ankle that I broke, I'm still compensating somehow. Like it kicks out a little bit instead of going straight when I walk. Mm-hmm. And it's been two years. Yeah, that's, you know, there are, there can be, I, I don't think that any body is necessarily you know, truly 100% unscathed. But I think if you can get, kind of think about it like a, like a threshold or, or sometimes we use the sort of bank account analogy. If you have, you know, enough in your bank account that you can spend energy and do things, uh, go for long hikes, get in and out of boats, uh, whatever is meaningful for you and you're meaningful for you in your life, those are kind of debits, right? You get out of bed and you take, you know, a debit because you go for a walk. If you if you don't take too many debits, you can you can pretty much live and feel functional and normal and not have pain and, and feel free to do what you want to do. But if your bank account is really low, whether it be because you're already fighting pain or you're, you have range of motion restrictions that are left over, or you have strength deficits or balance deficits, and those compensations put a bigger drag on your bank account than you're able to add in, then we get in trouble, or you drop below the threshold, and then that starts to affect your function. So I don't ever tell people you have to be 100%. 100% is maybe, you know, day one of life, maybe day <laughs> through when you learn to crawl and walk, assuming you've gone through all of those. I look at my daughter and I think, well, you breathe well and you can roll in any direction and you can touch your toes and put your foot behind your head. But we start to, you know, our bodies have experiences and and injuries and emotions and all of those things get stored. So 100% may not be realistic, but the goal is for you to get as functional as you need to be to live the life you want. So, you know, if that limp is causing you problems, then, you know, you can take a closer look at it and say, okay, what's really causing this? Is it, you know, I have a few degrees fewer range of motion on that ankle, and so I'm kind of flicking it out because I um, can't quite come over my foot the same way as I used to. Is it just habit? Because you walked really funky for a while, probably in a boot, and that foot kind of had to flick out to the side. And that's more of a nervous system imprint that that kind of took on a different motor program. So that's kind of what I focus on in my practice is 
what is the thing that's most in the way of you having the best function you can get and help you live the life that, you know, makes you smile? Are you out hiking and boating? Or are you thinking, are you worried? Are you thinking, oh, boy, I don't want to step on that slippery rock because I'm going to take a tumble. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Well, what it did was show what care you take in listening to your patients. I'm not even one of your patients, but storytelling is a big part of your practice because you're lis- you've listened to me just now, and we're able to intuit that I don't generally wear shoes, and I don't know if you've paid attention to me when you've been around me very often, but I'm almost always wearing some type of boot be it a work mm-hmm. boot or a hiking boot or even just a casual, like, mid, mid-level mid cut boot. I almost never wear tennis shoes or even, like, dance goes. And so just you listening to me talk, you're able to, and I don't even know if you were doing it uh, intentionally. It's just part of your nature. You're able to understand something about me and give me some advice, which I wasn't necessarily asking for, but... I guess the reason I bring it up is because when people come to visit you, you're going to spend some time with them before you even start doing any work. Absolutely. You know, Joyce, Joyce is singing your praises. Um, the work that you've done for her, she is so grateful. And, you know, any, anytime anybody has any sort of physical complaints, she's like, Anna's magic, please go see her. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for the care that you take with those that you care for yeah you know i think you bring up some really good points because i'm skilled enough to treat you know most injuries i don't specialize in any one thing other than i would say i specialize for the specialty that i've trained myself in really does put the human first and you know somebody could walk into the clinic and and the best treatment for them that day is simply having someone's full attention to actually listening to their whole story and life experiences and taking that in and then with my lens saying, you know, these these things that happened to you a long time ago, these could be adding up to, you know, why you're still experiencing the back pain that you have and, and maybe even maybe validating that person's sort of thought. I think oftentimes... People are their best detectives, and they know a lot more about their bodies than the healthcare provider um, that's sitting in the room with them. And and I think that people oftentimes get sort of, you know, their ideas get pushed to the side in favor of the professional's opinion or the professional's experience. But the person knows themselves the best. So we really sit down and we take as much time as we need to on an initial intake to learn what makes that person tick to learn what that person has been through. And I think that story is really the the starting point because it's how we craft the rest of their experience, their evaluation, their treatment, how often they need to come in. And, the, and it's evolving, right? It's not just a one-time thing because they'll often go away and they'll come back and they'll say, oh, I remember this other thing. Do you think this is related to what we're dealing with? So that conversation and having that ongoing conversation really helps to develop the relationship as well. And people 
dig in and, and remember things or divulge things that they, they maybe wouldn't have before, and that can be really the thing that sort of makes all the difference for them. And I'm more their guide think, in that. I'm not. I'm not their. I'm not their teller. They're the. They're the storyteller, and I kind of. You know, I'm kind of guiding their story a bit. Right, by asking the right questions and shutting up when it's time to shut up. And yeah, I mean that's a little bit of how I operate right. too. When people want me to help them craft a story, you know, a lot of it is te- teasing out details that they might not know are actually there. Yeah, for sure. And and you can kind of start to you start to hear some some things and I certainly have some clusters in my brain of of where clinically I I kind of start to expect people to go, but then I always test. So we always test um theory, we come up with a hypothesis with, you know, through our interview, and then we test things out and then we let their body tell the rest of the story because sometimes the mouth says one thing, but their bodies never lie. Their, if, right. if I can listen to the body, it will tell me where it needs help and it needs the most support. Um, and we kind of put that whole picture together and have the most success. How long have you been in your own practice? I am rounding my very first year in private practice, and that feels like a big milestone for me. It seems like, you know, 2020 was... Uh, has been a bit of a roller coaster for all of us, but I've been thankful to be in this space uh, in my career, despite the pandemic and all the wackiness that's gone with it. So I, you know, I thought long and hard about making this transition. Um, I graduated physical therapy school in 2005, and I, I, I didn't want to run my own practice. I wanted to. You know, physical therapy was supposed to give you this really great work-life balance. You're not on call like a physician. You get, you know, you get more time with your patients than most other healthcare providers do. And you can really make a difference in people's lives in a much more natural way. You know, I even, one of my goals is to really even help people minimize use of medication if if I can. And over the years, you know, a variety of things happened. My personal practice has evolved to this much more integrative and holistic way of practicing. I see the results in my patients. I see how happy people are when they get the the time and the attention and the specificity of treatment that I provide. And I color outside the lines a little bit as far as the way that insurance companies really want you to or require you to practice. The way that an insurance claim is submitted is based on a body part that hurts, um, and that's not really how I treat, because body part that hurts is not why it hurts. So I have to go after the why for you to have the the best result, both short-term and long-term, and it becomes very cumbersome to try to justify to people that don't that aren't physical therapists and oftentimes aren't even medical providers, why it is that I need to be, you know, for example, treating someone's ankle to help their low back pain or help, you know, treating someone's neck to help their right hip pain. So I understand why I'm doing that, and I have a very good rationale, but but insurance companies don't always agree with me. So um, in order to keep myself sane and doing the best job that I can for my patients, I, I kind of just had to had to make a break for it. 
and um, develop my practice the way that I have. And so you do accept insurance, though, is what I'm hearing. Well, I don't directly bill insurance with my practice. I am what would be referred to as an out-of-network provider, and I don't submit claims on my client's behalf. So I okay. have people pay me up front, and then if you do have an insurance plan that does accept an out-of-network claim and you would like to, to go ahead and submit that claim, I can provide you with the paperwork that um, is required to make that submission. And that, you know, the it, the insurance business in our country is complex and uh, a bit convoluted. So I never make a um, a promise to anyone as to whether they will get any refund. Um, sometimes it just applies to deductible. The plans are very different, individual to individual. Even within, you know, three people that have Blue Cross could have different coverage. So. I also really recommend that if people want to come see me and they're at all concerned about what their insurance company will provide, that they call them. And I do have a form that kind of walks you through the right questions to ask to make sure that you understand where you'll be on the insurance end of things. How can people find you, Anna, and, and make an appointment if they need one? Um, the, probably the best. There's two options. One is they can visit my website. Um, which is uh, www.inertiaphysiomt.com. Through that website, you can learn a little bit more about the clinic, and there's a button that you can press to schedule an appointment online. Um, it'll take you to a different platform. You can choose your time and date. And I do offer what I call discovery sessions, which are free consultations where you can sit down with me for usually – at least 20 minutes, depending on what I have going on afterwards. It could be longer. And talk to me about kind of what your goals are and what you're dealing with. Tell me a little bit about maybe what you've done in the past that has or hasn't been effective. And then we can we can do a quick physical screen and kind of I can, I can give you some direction as to where I think uh, maybe we could work that maybe someone else hasn't. Most of my clients have seen other PTs or chiropractors or massage therapists in the past, and they haven't found the results they're looking for. So, you know, we're taking a very different approach here, and um, and it's, it's hard to know exactly what that is and how it's really different without physically experiencing it. So that's really what the discovery session is for. I want people that decide to come see me to be 100% happy with their choice especially considering that we are a private pay clinic, and they and I want them to know what they're getting into. So that's what our discovery session is for. We also have initial evaluations and, and follow-ups that you can schedule online. As promised, the story that really resonated for Anna, Stephen T. Milhouse walking from Montana to California on a broken foot. Stephen T. Milhouse was born in Bozeman and grew up in Missoula. He graduated from Sentinel High School and the University of Montana. Stephen's story was recorded in front of a live audience on September 24, 2019 at the Wilma in Missoula, Montana. Stephen takes us on a journey, walking from Missoula, Montana to Los Angeles, California, regaining a lost hope in humanity along the way. He calls his story, Homage for the Homeless. Thank you for listening. August 3rd, 2011. I was at the old 
Pavarello in downtown Missoula. I was surrounded by friends and family, and I was about to embark on a 1,460-mile solo walk from Missoula to Los Angeles. 1,460 miles is the average number of miles that a homeless person will walk in one year. I had lived homeless in LA, and if it wouldn't have been for the VA, I probably wouldn't have been here. And I wanted to pay it forward. I was asking people to donate a penny a mile, $14.60. I was also taking this journey as a way to make amends for all the mistakes I had made in my life and to say I'm sorry to the people I'd hurt. And I also wanted to honor my 22-year-old niece, Rachel, who had been killed by a drunk driver in February of that same year. My heart was full of hurt and anger, and I needed to know if there was any reason for me to have hope in humanity. So at 52 years of age, unmarried, no children, overweight, and out of shape, I headed south on Highway 93. And I stumbled and bumbled my way through Montana, up and over Lost Trail Pass, and I got to Salmon, Idaho, where I had my first wake-up call. A Christian couple had invited me into their home, and they fed me, and they prayed for me, and they prayed for my journey, and they had a friend who was an ex-military medic who treated the blisters on my feet. And I went back to my tent that night, and I came to the sobering conclusion that this wasn't some game. This was a ser serious endeavor, especially to people of faith. And when I left Salmon, I had an emotional burden that I wasn't prepared to carry. And I meandered south through Idaho with only my thoughts and the hurt and the anger. And by the time I got to Twin Falls, I was in some serious pain, and it wasn't because of blisters. I literally limped into Twin Falls. I found the local homeless shelter called the Valley House, and they got me to the VA, and they took x-rays. The diagnosis? Stress fractures of my left metatarsals. Their recommendation? Quit, or take some serious time off. I went to the Valley House, and they took me in, and I stayed there for three days, hearing the stories of the people that lived there, but I had to get back on the road. Their stories stayed with me and they humbled me. And I left and it didn't go well. The pain and the swelling came back with a vengeance. And I had hit an emotional and physical wall and it was a failure, failure, failure. I didn't want that anymore. And I kept going. And all of a sudden, I came across a delineator that had a bouquet of balloons, and it had a piece of scripture on it. No name, just an inspirational scripture and a bottle of water. And I picked it up, and I kept going. And every now and then, it would happen again. I'd come across a delineator, and there'd be another piece of scripture about journeys and another treat. And this went on for a day and a half. And I got to the last delineator with a gift, and I sat down on my rig, and I looked at my swollen foot, and I read this last note, and it was from the people at the Valley House. 
and they were thanking me for giving them hope. And my heart cracked open. And all that hurt and anger started to seep out. And I was filled with hope and determination. And I was going to need that in the days to come. There were some pretty dark days ahead of me. And their last gift to me was a donation. It was for $14.60 from homeless people. I continued on. I got to Jackpot, Nevada, where the Nevada State Police said that I had to have a hydration plan, which meant that I had to carry 16 more pounds of water. And the first two days in Nevada, all it did was rain. I was pissed off. I woke up one morning, and all my gear is wet. I am soaked. I'm in a hurry, and I'm trying to put my left foot into my shoe, and I hear this sound. And I screamed in pain, and I remember telling myself, Stephen, you've got to be careful. You've got a stress fracture. So I gingerly tied the shoe back on, and I got on the road. My next stop was Wells, Nevada where I caught Interstate 80. I got in the eastbound lane, two lanes of interstate traffic going 80 plus miles an hour, and I'm walking into it, headed towards Reno. And I called this stretch of the road the never ending up. You would climb a rise and get to the top and think, oh my God, this is gonna be great, I'm gonna have lots of time going to the other side, but it wasn't. You take a little dip and then you're back up again. And I'm climbing up one of these little hills. And I look up to see how far it's going to be. And I see this pickup truck coming over the rise. And he's pulling a 30-foot RV camper in the lane nearest to me. And then in the passing lane, there's a semi-truck that passes him going 80, 90 miles an hour. And he blows by. And the RV starts to fishtail. And it just gets worse and worse. And all of a sudden, the RV and the pickup truck are perpendicular in the road, and the RV flips on its side. The pickup truck is almost on two wheels. A propane bottle flies off and bounces past me at 60 miles an hour. I can't do anything. I can't run that way into traffic, and the pickup truck and RV are going that way. So I just stood there, and it stopped 50, 75 feet. I went up. I asked if everybody was okay. They were and I continued on towards Reno. I got to Reno, and I went to a VA hospital, and they x-rayed my foot again, and it's exactly what you think happened 400 miles before out in the desert. They said that my foot, that poof, was the bone fracturing in my foot, but what happened over the course of that 400 miles is that the bone had separated and they were worried that I was going, it was going to die in there and I was going to get blood poisoning. The doctor asked if I was going to quit. And I said, no. And she, on her own dime, bought me a boot. And I put that boot on and I left the next day, headed up to the Sierra Nevadas. And I got to the top of Donner Pass. And it was one of the most beautiful nights that I ever spent. I was surrounded by spiritual 
indigenous territory, 4,000-year-old petroglyphs, but I had to get up the next morning and make my descent into California. And in terms of the homeless situation, it was like a descent into hell. But everywhere I went, Vallejo, San Francisco, L.A., there were good people doing good things, fighting the good fight for people living homeless. And I made it to L.A. on January 2nd, 2012. And the gift of hope and determination that I was given a thousand miles before served me every step of the way. And it serves me now, and it will serve me for the rest of my life. And I'd like to end by giving you a gift. It's something my mother shared with me as a child. And it's something that I shared with Rachel, a three-year-old Rachel, on the day of my mother's funeral. And it goes like this. And it was, I have to tell you, the way that my mother and I said, I love you. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite. Wake up bright in the morning light to do what's right with all your might. Good night. If you want to support what we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation to Tell Us Something now. Go to tellussomething.org and click the handshake support icon in the top right-hand corner. You can also tell someone about the show. Recommend Tell Us Something to just two people who have never listened to it. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. You can also get some cool Tell Us Something merch at tellussomething.org slash shop. Great stuff in there for your holiday giving needs. Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. Shop less, shop solo, and shop fast. Now offering curbside pickup. Learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks also to our enduring sponsors, cabinetparts.com the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price with knowledgeable hardware specialists, cabinetparts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications. Since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. Thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends, have a look at the menu and order online at truefoodcsa.com. Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashforjunkersband.com. Thank you to our in-kind sponsors. Logjam Presents. Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in-house dining and takeout. The Top Hat also now features geodome dining, social distancing taken to the next level. Their new private geodomes seat two to six people and are perfect for staying warm and cozy while enjoying local food and drink through the winter months. Learn more and reserve your dome at logjampresents.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at missoulabroadcasting.com. Float Missoula, formerly known as Enlightened Lab Float Center. Learn more at floatmsla.com. Hey, I'm Anna Sulia, a nurse at Physiotherapy. We want you to move better and feel better so you stay in motion. Learn more at inertiaphysiomc.com. Geckodesigns.com, missoulaevents.net. Be sure to check in next week when I visit with Melissa Kaplan-Silverman from Gecko Designs. 
um, we miss meeting with clients and so much of what we do is creative kind of brainstorming and sitting in a big space together and whiteboarding ideas and tune in for that conversation on the next tell us something podcast podcast production by me mark moss to learn more about tell us something please visit tell us stay safe wear a mask take care of yourself and take care of each other Oh, you're still here. Great. Listen in as Anna and I reflect on becoming self-conscious and getting a little science behind why breathing is the ideal way to relax before a performance. It's funny. I was, I've been thinking about a lot of different things relative to um, brand awareness or marketing or what have you. And, and uh, it's funny to reflect back on your life and go, like, where did I sort of Especially because I watch Eleanor and... Eleanor is Anna's toddler. She's just at this stage where, you know, she just wants... She'll just dance and and sing and doesn't think anything about it. And some point along the lines, adults sort of get, like, stage fright, I guess. 90 seconds of slow, intentional breath will access your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest, help you calm down out of your anxious fight or flight. 90 seconds. Good thing to practice a few times a day, especially right now. You heard it here first, folks, from a professional. I've been trying to tell people that a long, for a long time. Breathe. Breathing. Breathing is going to help you. And they're right. like, that's so simple. I'm like, yeah, it is so simple. It's free. <laughs> but it's simple and it's free, and it is not surprising anymore, but can be surprising that the probably arguably the most fundamental thing for life is the thing that I work on retraining with people first. People don't breathe well. And people who are stressed and anxious and in pain don't breathe well. And years and years of that uh, manifests in, in restrictions in people's bodies that then perpetuate or, or make that cycle worse. So um, restoring proper breath patterns can have a huge impact on your whole body and mind. It's a huge part. You know, yeah. It helps you figure out where you're holding tension. It can help you understand whether that tension is, I say, necessary or habit. So you might have somebody who's really bracing um, and resulting in a breath issue, and they can't figure out how to change it because that somehow is part of their stability or their nervous system feeling safe. And you might have someone else who goes through the breath class and they go, holy smokes, I have no idea how much tension I had in my right hip. And if I just think about it right and breathe a few times into that space, all my hip tension goes away. So it can also work that way. If you're interested and you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Call me on the phone if you're not comfortable coming into the clinic. Send me an email. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with me. Schedule that discovery session if you're interested. There's no commitment. There's no, it's not a pushy sales pitch. It's just I'm going to help you see how what I do is a little different. Um, and it's, the decision is yours. Great. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today, Anna. All right. Stay All right. Take it easy. You too. Thank you. You too. Bye.
Bye-bye. For more information about inertia physiotherapy, visit inertiaphysiomt.com.